Welcome to Mr. Right, my name is Doug. So this episode is called The Final Abyss. This is the final Staring Into the Abyss episode where I talk about the things that I take in uh, that influence what I write, uh, of course, more of what I read, uh, but mostly what I write. And I've been doing a fair amount of writing. We are coming up on the final draft. Uh, is complete of the I Hate Kathy Hemmond podcast and our interactive online novel, Fear Agents, will be ready to launch at the end of next month in January of 2019. So let's talk about what's been influencing my writing. This Body is Not Big Enough for the Both of Us by Ed Cantero. This is a book where I pretty much just picked it up based on the title, um, looked through the synopsis, and it's about these Chimerian twins, which means that it's two uh, twins, a uh, man and a woman, inhabiting the same androgynous body, and they are private investigators in San Francisco, and they get sucked into a drug bust with the um, San Francisco Police Department. And it's been interesting. Um, once again, the pronoun game they play with him, her, and them has been uh, something to acclimate in that book. Uh, as well as, you know, the two characters do sort of talk to each other, and the way that Cantero writes the, um, kind of the prologue, is set up as a uh, police taking a statement from the main character, Camarion, uh, AZ Camarion, and it's got a bunch of, like, interrupting parts, it's got kind of a Pulp Fiction-y, like, timeline to it, um, it's, it's almost built like Kiss, it reminds me a lot of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, with kind of the unreliable narrator and being interrupted, um, but I'm really enjoying it, I'm about a third through of it so far, because I have also been playing the Spider-Man Silver Linings downloadable content for the Spider-Man for PlayStation 4 game. This is something where I'm only maybe a third of the way through the final part of the DLC, and I'm wondering how they're going to wrap it up. Um, they've been kind of ramping it up over and over with, like, Turf Wars and Black Cat and Heists and Subterfuge. And every time it ends on this weird cliffhanger, I'm like, there's so much to wrap up. How are they going to do it in one more DLC out of the three? The first was the Heist, the second was Turf War, and this one is Silver Linings. Uh, Silver Sable comes back to get her equipment back from the... Magia, which is kind of the organized crime group in the Marvel comics. It's been frustrating, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm trying to get through the story, but part of playing a video game is you can't really get to the story if you are frustrated by the game mechanics. And the game mechanics are not terrible, it's just I am, I am terrible at chasing things. I'm not good at chasing things in games. It's one of my least favorite things to do. And of course I'm at a part where I have to like chase this hovercraft that's surrounded by drones, and I'm just sucking at it, to be honest. So, uh, but the story, we'll see. I mean, Turf Wars was great, and Heist was a lot of fun, so I want to see how it wraps up. Hopefully I will, uh, in the next couple days. I've been going back and rereading Marvel's Runaways after watching the second season on Hulu, and once again, just floored by how well Brian K. Vaughn writes young people. And, of course, in Runaways, you always come up against the, you become your parents. The child always becomes the parent. But in this world, in this Marvel comic, uh, their parents are supervillains. 
and they are dealing with not only rebellion, uh, but filling the power vacuum after they defeat their superhero uh, villain parents. And of course, you know, it's like one of those where one of the characters will do something and they go, that's like your mom. And how does that character respond to that? So I do love seeing kind of that closing duality of child and parent, and Brian K. Vaughn does it with much aplomb. After a conversation about trilogies with a co-worker at my day job, I rewatched the Matrix trilogy, or as I call it, the Matrices. The first one I still think is the best. Um, the second one was actually better than I thought, and I know that the first one is very action-packed and more about kind of the technology of the Matrix uh, and, the, and the world building with the war and the machines and Neo and Morpheus and the Oracle. The second one introduces the architect, which becomes much more philosophical. And I like the idea of free will being the remainder of an equation and that you have the Oracle and the architect kind of at opposite ends of this equation. One is control and one is choice and free will. And, of course, Neo is just kind of a remainder of the equation and he ends up kind of with the other side of his coin, um, Agent Smith, which, upon re-watching the trilogy, was very impressed by Hugo Weaving and how they spent time with Agent Smith getting into the real world while Neo, like, stayed more in the Matrix and sensed um, the machines in the real world, the source code, so that you had them both walking in each other's shoes there for a while. So that was really interesting. Third one is still awful. Um, I don't like the ham-fisted, heavy overtones of religion. Um, Neo, of course, dying for humanity in a Christ pose. It, it's just, it, it just bothers me. I think it was just heavy-handed. And speaking of, I guess, religious overtones, not a great segue, I have uh, reread the Ultimate Edition of Mark Wade and Alex Ross's Kingdom Come by DC Comics, one of the greatest comic stories ever written. It jumps to the future where Superman and, and his ilk of Wonder Woman and Green Lantern have kind of stepped aside for the more, let's say, proactive, some would say murderous, or uncontrolled, kind of next generation of heroes, and what that does to the world, and when Superman comes back, what does that mean, and does truth, justice, and the American way still mean something um, in this world without Superman for many years. It is amazingly uh, painted by Alex Ross, and I reread Kingdom Come, not only because it's a great story, but because I was using uh, Alex Ross as an inspiration for one of our Fear Agents illustrations. So I wanted to go back and kind of mine that um, for some of my artistic endeavors that aren't writing. Uh, but once again, I'm working, already working on the sister book, the companion book to Fear Agents. Uh, once that's done, a working title is called Shroud. And I kind of wanted to pull from this uh, mythology that I'd set up in Fear Agents and what happens when, you know, one of the characters is either not there or has kind of moved away from the world. What does that mean? And can the world go on with them or without them? Who knows? Uh, lastly, I had a co-worker for Christmas give me the Elvis Costello biography. I think it's called Imaginary Music and Disappearing Ink, something like that. Don't have the title right in front of me, and I apologize. It is a little dry. Elvis Costello wrote it himself. It's an autobiography, and while the man is a lyrical genius, 
in terms of writing about his life, it is a little dry. It's not as wry-humored as I thought it would be. And, you know, Elvis Costello is not a polarizing figure. I mean, he's, uh, you know, amazing in terms of new wave music and bringing uh, in the 80s. I mean, once again, musically, lyrically, fantastic. But as a autobiographer, uh, not a huge fan. And he didn't have, I mean, he had an exciting life. But it's not like reading Dirt, the Motley Crue book, where it's like, oh my god, this is just debauchery, and um, we're waiting. It's just reading this, this like, Marquis de Sade uh, rock and roll suicide note, really. Uh, Elvis Costello, not really uh, that, you know. Uh, he's, he's interesting, but none of the sex, drugs, and rock and roll that you expect from when you read a musician's autobiography, so it's a little dry, like I said, not as, not as funny, I know he's got a very dry sense of humor, and he doesn't really take advantage of that, um, he doesn't use a lot of turn of phrase, or, you know, artistic, a license in just, like, the syntax and, and wording, uh, it's very straightforward, which I was very surprised from Elvis Costello. So that is all. That's all I've got on this episode of The Final Abyss. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's given you some ideas of what to read, what to watch, what to listen to. And remember, you keep writing, they'll keep reading. Right on. If you liked this, check out some of our other shows like Mr. Right, Exotic Liability, and No Applause, Just the Clap. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for BACN on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh, yeah.